everyone. Welcome to another episode of Tomorrow Will Be Great. I'm Julia. And I'm Elise. And today we're talking about small businesses, which yeah. I guess we're always talking about. <laughs> <laughs> what else is new? But most importantly, we're excited to tell you that next episode, hopefully, we will have theme music. Yes, that is the hope, the dream, the wish. So, Do you want to tell us about the theme music, Elise? Um, my brother's roommate is writing it for us. He's a very talented composer, and this has been on our to-do list and his to-do list for a while, and it's finally happening, hopefully. And so hopefully, actually, this episode will start out with theme music, but if not, Ooh. hopefully it'll be the next one. So we're getting yeah, legit. You may or may not have heard theme music before this. Yeah. So today, and, we don't know what it sounds like yet. No, but if so, thank you, Matt Rose. We will link you in the show notes. And thank you to Adam, too. Yes, and thanks to Ads for facilitating. (laughs) Today, we're going to be talking about tips for starting a small business and our experience along the way and things that we might change if we were starting again now. Because I don't know about you, anytime I've been doing something a long time, I always say to myself, gee, if I had known this three years ago, I might not have done it this way. 2020 hindsight. So we're just going to talk about that kind of stuff and talking about how to talk to friends and family about your business ideas, separating personal versus business in all kinds of aspects of your life, POS systems, um, making boundaries and all kinds of things. I guess we'll start off by talking a little bit about our business, which I guess Mm -hmm. we do a lot. So you might know we started in Boston and it was much different back then. We were making a lot of clothes and bags directly out of our studio. And by we, I really just mean me. I did have uh, an, an employee working for me around the time that I left and she had been with me for about a year. She was awesome. We were sewing dresses and only right towards the end of when I was in Boston did I kind of start pivoting to carrying other designers. Now we moved to Philly, we opened the store. So the main thing, I think the first thing I learned was that it was really hard to start a business in Boston because of the cost of signing a lease in Boston was very challenging for me for a store. So that was one of the many reasons we decided to move the business and our lives to Philadelphia. But I've also had experience before, Ren, working in retail and I did learn a lot of stuff at the store that I worked with. It was a store in Cambridge and I had such a fun time working there with my co-workers. They were all really awesome people and they're Let's see, I learned all kinds of things. I learned about how to price stuff. Um, I learned how to look at invoices and do shipping and receiving, uh, how to steam clothes, how to kind of set up little outfit vignettes, mainly doing in-person customer interaction rather than online. We didn't really have an online store there. I think they do now, but it was all mainly in-person interaction. Um, so it was kind of a different world back then. And it was also on Mass Ave in Cambridge. So it was a super busy foot traffic street. Those are just kind of some of the things I learned while I was there. Also just like learning to listen to the customers a lot and listen to what they were looking for and then trying to draw their attention to certain garments or products they might not have picked up on their own. And just knowing the inventory incredibly well. So you can kind of reference things at the drop of a hat. That was a super important thing and I think that kind of started helping me make a mental punch list of all the inventory and I think since then I have a really good sense of 
that kind of data in my head for our store today. What kind of things did you learn, Elise, when you worked in retail before Ren? So I worked in a small, I call it like a hippie store where we sold home goods and like incense and jewelry. And so much like Julia, it was kind of behind on the times. There's no web store. The owners had three stores and they would drive the inventory between the three stores. And so we'd get a bunch of necklaces in a bag and then we'd price it from there because they had have their big shipments sent to one store. We were at the small store. So then they'd have to break it down and distribute it. And so I did learn a lot about pricing and keeping track of things was definitely a huge deal because our storage was incredibly limited. Like you had to walk up a ladder to get to the backstop. You can learn a lot from having to carry pottery down the ladder. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I basically learned that you know, like small businesses is all hands on deck at all times. I think that's really where I started love small businesses because I like how you get to know everyone really well. Like I knew the owners, they knew me. We just like chat and talk about business and about the stores and whatever. And I think that that is really nice. I like that working in the store, you do anything from like cleaning shelves to merchandising the front to organizing the back to wrapping up presents. And I think I really like that there's a lot of variety when you're in a small business because then after that I worked very briefly I think I've mentioned this before at a big box store and I mean very briefly as in like I think I worked there for a month because I just realized that was not what I was interested in doing like having to literally use like my fingerprint to sign in and out of the shop it made me feel like I was doing something wrong all the time even though I wasn't (laughs) like that might just be my anxiety yeah we'd have like a punch code or you could use your fingerprint to like essentially punch the time clock. It's just always, it didn't feel as good to me. And so I think that's why, that's why I'm working here now. I like, I also, I think what I like a lot about the small businesses, I personally think I'm a very trustworthy person and I like having the feeling that other people think I am as well. And I think that was another problem I had with the bigger business is feeling like I was constantly doing something wrong. And apparently someone had been doing some funky stuff with the cash registers. And they, at the end of the night, they told all of us and there was like 10 employees, but I still felt like, oh my God, did I do something that someone perceived as wrong? And again, that's probably just my anxiety. But I like at a small business feeling like you're really part of the team and like everyone trusts and relies on you to do your job. So I think that's maybe one of my favorite parts about it is like really being part of a team. It's a team effort. And I think that makes me feel a lot better. And it makes I bet makes me feel a lot more invested in the business and trying to help the business do better versus being like, oh, it doesn't matter what I do because there's 150 other stores and no one actually cares about me as this one lowly employee. Just interject this. So right now there's a few things going on outside of my house in case you hear any oh, yeah. voices. There are a lot of people playing outside and Kids. Kids and there is someone sawing something, and the sawing just started. So, so you might hear some fun, fun summer sounds. Noises. Yeah, I mean it's beautiful out now. So it is. It's gorgeous out. Recommend everyone should go outside. Yeah, just I think that feeling like you're truly part of something. And I've had like a bunch of internships at other small businesses. I think it's just it makes you feel more attached to what you're doing versus being like a cog in a wheel. No, a cog in a cog, a cog with more cogs. Cog's going somewhere. I never worked in a larger store of any kind. I kind of just went right into the small business. So I think I I never experienced that. Like, I'm not throwing shade at the store. Like, it's fine. There's lots of people who love their job there. It's just... Also, I was definitely, like, one of the young... I actually think I was the youngest employee. It was mostly older women. 
And I feel like they all were just like, oh, you're the youngin. And at the time I was having two internships as well. And so I was going back and forth from New York. And so I was just always exhausted. <laughs> and, and it was just like, it was a bad timing. So maybe, and I, I don't think that if you work at a big store at a big company, that's a bad thing by at all, because I think that's obviously people need to work there. But yeah. just for me personally, I think I found that I like being part of a more intimate team. Yeah. I mean that it's funny now I'm sitting here thinking about it. And I think for me, what the most magical part of working at the store I did was that we all got along really, really well. And I loved that all of us were at totally different parts of our lives. Like I was in college and like, then there were people that were like much older than me. And I, I like was very good friends with all of them. And the other thing that we got along really well, this isn't really relevant to anything, but we all really bonded over music and the CDs that we would play. And we would all sneak on Leonard Cohen when the boss was in her And everyone was like, yes, put on Leonard or put on Beirut. Or I'm trying to think there were a few others um, that we, we kind of snuck the CDs on and we all really enjoyed it. And I think it made working there really fun. And I love there over the holidays too there was just so much conviviality really working a small business that does a lot of gift stuff at the holiday time is an experience unlike any other one and yeah it can be stressful sometimes too it's like amazing and terrible all at the same time like all at the same time and then i don't know about you but we also would have a new year's party after the christmas rush was over so there would be that settling down and they took us out to a really good restaurant I think once or twice a year or there would be some kind of get together a few times a year and those were always really fun yeah we didn't do that but I have heard that they used to do that I think that the owners both had kids and I think they were just a little bit yeah. overwhelmed by their lives yeah. but apparently in the business it's really overwhelming and I guess at least I can't really have a holiday party of two people (laughs) (laughs) become friends with in correlation to the business that we could do that with. So those are kind of like a selection of some of the things that we learned in those retail jobs. I'm sure there's other things too. You would be surprised to know this. I actually sold a fair amount of jewelry more than anything else there because we have have an ongoing thing. They're like, oh, you don't carry jewelry. You don't like jewelry. I'm just like really picky about the jewelry. Such a nice selection of gold there. It was so gorgeous. And so I kind of learned a little bit of different types of jewelry from all over the world while I was there. So yeah, you can just like learn random facts. Yeah, I think that there's just a lot more opportunity to do a lot more things in small businesses that I've worked in versus big company that I worked at briefly. And again, I was there very briefly, so it might not be a totally accurate portrayal of it. And so I'm very aware of that. I just didn't, I couldn't, I emotionally could not stick it out anymore. Because I said that crying on the way to work was probably a bad, bad way to do things. No, it's not a good way. Well, if you figure that out within a month, so. Yeah. I was on the phone with my brother crying. He's like, so why are you working there again? And I was like, you know, I don't know. So. <laughs> and yeah. then he converted to small business for life. Yes, <laughs> like dedicated to this underdogs. So with all that said about experience before starting your own business, I do think it's important to have some kind of whatever part of business you're going into. I think some kind of experience similar to that, to what you're trying to do for your business is really helpful in building and giving a sense of the world you're going into. 
Um, unless you went to school in it and you're really well versed in it already, then just diving right in, that's totally an option too. But I think hands-on experience is really, really key. And then from there, I would really recommend once you've decided that's what you want to do and you've had some experience, maybe talking to friends and family about your business ideas and getting their opinions. Because there might be someone in your family or a friend who have started their own business and they might have some really good ideas or insights for you that you might not be able to find if you're Googling around online. Or if you already have some kind of online presence, even for a totally different reason, you can just crowdsource opinions from the internet. And see yeah, yeah, because especially with the talking to your friends and family is they also know you so well. So if you have this super ambitious idea, they might be like, hey, you're never going to pull this off. Or they'll be like, oh, yeah, this is great. I can totally see you doing this. And then here are some resources that I have that I know you can utilize to, you know, help not express, help to move forward in your career. And also, you never know until you like talk to people because maybe it sounds amazing in your head. And then you start saying it out loud and you're like, wait, this is not a solid business plan. <laughs> Like, what am I thinking? I can't make belly shoes for dogs. Like, no one would want that. But it sounded so good in my head. Yeah, you're like, how cute would that be? And then you realize that there's no market for that. And so talking your way through it is a really good way of fleshing out ideas. And you might not always like the feedback you get because it's a new idea and it can feel very fresh and vulnerable. And especially, I think sometimes family, if they don't know how long you've been thinking about it or maybe even working on it a little bit, they might kind of outright say, oh, that's silly. Like, why would you do that and risk your current job or whatever? And they don't mean to hurt your feelings if that happens, which it can. But it's because they love you. because they love you and they don't want to see you get hurt. So start at the bottom. Start with you and then start with people you love and trust. And then you'll feel more confident when you take the idea to the world so is that what happened when you started or was people or were people supportive off the bat or were they just kind of like okay here's a nice hobby I think they like they were always very supportive of me creatively but I think I kept it's funny because they all knew I had gone to art school so <laughs> <when> they, <laughs> I saw this as an art Kind of, but I didn't go to fashion school or mm -hmm. anything. So I think they thought that was something different and that it wasn't really a creative thing. So I think people were really confused for a while how I would make it or turn it into a business. So I think I got a lot of confusion and why take that risk in the beginning, um, which was hard to hear, but I kind of just kept doing it anyway because I realized that I didn't really want to work for anyone else anymore. Yeah. And I'd rather, like just barely be scraping by with my rent every month with whatever mm -hmm. I was selling Etsy. And no one really knew what Etsy was. I had been seeing bloggers and people just sell things on Etsy. And I was like, well, why can't I do that? So <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's also like a good way of starting is not, not going all in. is like just dipping your toe and seeing if it's a valid business opportunity. Um, while you still have some stability, even though there's a lot to be said for just going all in. But if, you, if you're not a million percent sure, just like, you know, keeping your job and sewing bags on the side and seeing how it goes is a really good way of getting a good start. Not that you just sew bags to start your business, but just it's a good way of, you know, seeing if it's a viable thing and if you're still interested in it. Because I think that it's really easy to get really swept up in an idea and then you start doing it and you're like, I don't actually like this. And so if you quit your job and you've gone all in, you're kind of like stuck in it. You gotta, you gotta keep going. 
And so like me, I'm pretty flip floppy on ideas, maybe wouldn't be the best idea for me personally. (laughs) But um, someone with more stay power, (laughs) they could just drop everything. But again, it's like, know yourself and know what you're capable of and what you're interested in. I like thinking, looking at this too, about things I would change looking back at the past 12 years. And there's definitely a lot I would tell myself or change. But a few things I feel like were out of my control. And one of them is just exposure to this industry. And I don't think that that was ever something that was made accessible to me, like early Mm -hmm. on in the business or before it. And I had never been told that fashion was kind of a viable, something I could go into. It wasn't really brought up at my school or I didn't, I guess I didn't grow up in a house where you could be like, I was always super into clothes, but no one else was. So it's not like anyone would have handed me like, Oh, here's a book from like showing all of Isamiyaki's clothes or something. So I just don't feel like I had that exposure. I didn't find anything that was that cool until after college kind of. Whereas now I think the internet just makes you hone in really quickly on your ideas. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's really easy now. I mean, because thinking. So, like, social media was, like, still pretty new. I mean, Instagram was still pretty new when I started going to college. And same with Pinterest. And I know that, like, I feel like now they're so much more evolved. That's so much easier to find things. But back then, I feel like there wasn't as much. And you had to really, really search if you wanted to find stuff versus now where I feel like it basically falls in your lap. And so I think that now there's so many resources and so many people being open and sharing. And I think that is in part due to social media. But I think that it is totally different. I mean, and I started school I like went into college six years ago. And so that's like not that far at all. And I totally know that, but it's like, it seems so different now. And I would have done things differently now than I did then. And I'm pretty sure you said you would have done them differently as well. I think I wouldn't have gone to the school I went to. I think I would have gone to a design school. I'm not even sure now, like if I was starting college now in the same social media setting, I'm not really sure that I would think that going to school was necessary. I think it's good for a lot of people, but I think it might not have, I'm not sure I learned the most from school. I learned more about the times I spent outside of school developing both this and Mm -hmm. also like working at that other store, just interacting. I learned more working with a factory than I ever would have in school. Um, I learned more living at the co-op I lived at about people (laughs) and human interaction. Um, I don't know. So if you're thinking you already went to school and you want to go into a different field like this, I would say you don't have to go to school. Maybe you could take a continuing education class or something. I don't know. So I I would do school differently. The business part, like the business decisions I've made, I think, I would have pivoted my business a lot sooner if I felt like it was in my power. I think I would have opened a store in Boston a lot sooner if I could have and kind of dwindled the work on the leather line, even though I would like to revisit it in the future. I think it's, I think one thing I would tell myself is to kind of learn better when something isn't working well for you and for what reasons and then what 
can you do to change that? Like, don't keep holding on if it's not going well. Yeah. And I was like, it wasn't just that it wasn't going well. It's like, I was really unhappy. I was Mm -hmm. really just, I was crying a lot. Were you crying on your way to work? (laughs) I was crying on my way to work. I was crying on the way to the factory. I woke up at six and drive from my house in Boston at six to 50 minutes away. And I'd be like, okay, on the way there. It's hard. All this is hard. And I get it because I didn't say this before, but both my parents essentially work for small businesses and it's just always been a part of my family. And it's hard. It's really hard when like, it's not all in your control, but it, it is at the same time. So I think that it can seem completely and utterly glorified on social media. And it's funny because I think that I also had a glorified version of being like a shopkeeper type thing when I was younger. That was my favorite game to play. I've, I wanted to open a store since I, like basically as long as I could remember, I always wanted a store. And since working in all these different stores, <laughs> no offense, I'm not so sure that I would choose to open a store in the future because it's so much work and it's weird work that I don't think like you were saying that you don't necessarily learn in school yeah and you don't anticipate working on the things you end up working on you think it's going to be I thought it was going to be a lot of direct to consumer sales in the store but instead Mm -hmm. for us really grown is the internet and so it's a lot of emails and it's a lot of taking measurements of garments to send to people Whereas I was more used to helping people style things in person. So yeah. that was, I'd say a more creative part, but now I get the creative stuff out and the photography. So it's like things have shifted a little bit, but you don't end up working on what you think you will work on. No, I know. I feel like in order to open a store, I'd say the ideal degrees you could have would probably be business and psychology. Yeah. <laughs> no, totally right about the psychology part. Yeah. Cause I think that a lot of it, it's not like, trying to trick people into buying things it's just trying to make the most pleasant and useful experience in shopping because I think one of the things that I think both Julie and I are pretty passionate about is not lying to be not lying well obviously you don't want to lie to people <laughs> but not um not like telling someone oh it looks great on you if it doesn't because that doesn't forge a positive experience with a customer and so I think we're going to talk about more stuff like this in the future but it's just kind of the idea that you need to you want to be successful but you also don't want to make these short-term relationships that won't carry on because of something you did like if you tell someone that looks great on you and then they get home and there's it's generally probably gonna be their spouse is like that looks terrible on you and then they're not gonna love it anymore and they're not gonna want to wear it and so then they're going to be like, oh, I don't trust that store anymore because they lied to me or whatever. And so it's always sad to me, though, if I genuinely have thought something looked really good on someone yeah. and people tell me afterwards that their spouse didn't like it on them and they sound so devastated. I'm always like, oh, I thought it looked really good. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a spouse, so I can't really talk about it personally, but I think you should just wear what the heck you, you want, want when you want. Yeah. Yeah. Spouse. Because, like, right now I'm wearing a straight-up house dress <laughs> from, like, the 60s. And maybe that's not everyone's cup of tea, but it's my cup of tea. And I certainly look like a cup of tea because it's blue and white floral pattern. But it's just, you know, I think you got to do what you got to do. And so I think that being honest and genuine is a really, really useful part, especially with a small business, because it's easier to track back to you. <laughs> like, yeah. And you get to see the more, not immediate, you get to see the more direct 
the more direct impact of it. Because if you had a really good interaction with the customer and then you see them come back, you're like, oh my God, something I did last time was right because they're coming back again versus at a big store where there's a million employees, there's a million shifts and you might not ever see them again, but you really did help impact their shopping experience or whatnot. It just, I think it seems more intimate, new word of the day, intimate. It seems more intimate to get to know people and to help them. Yeah, because I think that, like Lee said, if you are going to start a business, I mean, it is very important to be honest to people, even it always isn't in your favor, like maybe you won't make a sale, but I think that it's better to send them another place. Maybe they can find what they're looking for. And that's just one, one of many tips we have. Um, yeah. Another thing. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say um, something else that I strongly believe in is that if you don't have what they're looking for, send them to another small business in your general vicinity. Oh, yeah. Um, that all the time. Yeah, that happens a lot to us that people are like, oh, I really want, I don't know, like a rug or whatever. And it's like, oh, we don't have rugs, but the vintage store across the street does and these galleries down our street do. And so I think that sending favors and then people always ask us, they're like, I'm hungry, I want a snack. We always send them to the cafe down the street. And I'm like, we should get commission on that. I know everyone wants to eat when they come to us. It's great. They want to shop and then they want to eat. I know. I think at least at least once a week we send people. Well, not right now, but at least once a week when the store is open, we send people there. And I think that it just helps forage. That's probably not the right word. Form, create. It creates a really strong local community. And I think you can do the same thing online if people are looking for something that you don't have and you can be like, Oh, well here, my friend shop over here has this hat that you're looking for or whatever. I think that that it, it brings you goodwill and not that I believe that karma's thing, but I kind of do it gives you good karma to help other people. And so I think that's like something else about being a small business is that you can have your small business friends and then you all get to talk about business and whatever and experiences yeah, it's definitely going to, once you start your business, you're definitely going to value having connections so you can vent to each other about whatever you're having a hard time about or get ideas or maybe collaborate or anything like that. Um, yeah. Definitely have found a really nice network of people in Philly that we love talking to and bouncing things off of. Just going, sorry, I want to make sure we cover some of these things. Um the other couple things we want to talk about is one thing when you're starting your business too, and I think it's important early on is to divide up your personal life versus your business. And I mean that mainly in terms of accounting and how you're going to take care of running your business. I think it you don't want to use your personal checking account as your business checking account. I know in business, there's lots of different terms for what your business is. So you can be a sole proprietor, meaning it's just you. You can be an LLC, a limited liability company, which is what we are. And sometimes there's also, you, technically the government considers me an LLC that is a sole proprietor. <laughs> an LLC provides you more legal protection um, and it distances you more from your business. And these are just US terms. I know I think the equivalent in Europe of an LLC is an SARL. I'm not positive on that though, so don't quote me on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you start having different layers of like S corps and different corporations, which I don't really know anything about. Um, it's kind of like the more you go up that ladder, the different, the bigger you are usually. And 
we are not um, those things. So um, it's definitely important to keep your personal accounting away from your business. I know sometimes it can just seem easy, especially with PayPal. And I'm trying to think where I had trouble in the beginning. PayPal was this main one where I was like, buying things for myself that were totally not business related, but I was also getting money into the PayPal account for the bags I was selling on Etsy. So it was mm-hmm. really confusing and weird and it got really annoying when tax season came at the end of the year to kind of go through and dig through all of that. Um, also having an accounting software system you use is super helpful to help you keep track of all that stuff. And if you can't do that, definitely get an accountant to do it for you. Um, Because it's just going to be a headache for you if you've been overlapping your personal and your business at the end of the year when you try to do your taxes and you're trying to remember what this receipt in your inbox was, $13.40. And you're like, "Was, was this... Did I buy thread for my sewing machine for work to fix custom clothes? Or did I buy like five slices of pizza? That would be very cheap pizza. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, and things like, I don't know, specifically I'm thinking like hardware store receipts are just gobbledygook. So just oh, things yeah. like that, like keeping track of those way early and making sure that you know what it is, because if you just find a, like a Home Depot receipt in your bag, it just, it literally means nothing. It's just a bunch of things. And I'm thinking, even if you go even more old school, it's just a typed up list of costs. And then you, there's no way that you'll ever know what it is, but it's well, right very on, important. Right on the receipt, like Home Depot run for store to get plants, whatever. Yeah. And so that it's, you want to get ahead. I haven't even thought about this in a long time, but yeah, like bookkeeping stuff is a huge deal. And when it gets away from you, especially if you're not super math minded or money minded, it's so hard to reel it back and to like work backwards and figure out what all of that stuff is. Yeah. So I would advocate doing it sooner than later. Yeah. And making Um, sure that all your statements match and whatnot. Yeah. We do all of it ourselves. Jesse does most of it these days, Um, but he's been able to automate a lot of it with Excel like Excel sheet export so he'll try to match that with what the bank is putting out um but he'll like that's like three full days worth of work for him a month that he does usually to get that up to date and if it builds up past a month it just gets tricky but um the oh the other thing that if you're gonna carry inventory it's really important to keep track of your inventory and that is also part of your accounting and Mm -hmm. Luckily, if you're using an online POS system, which we'll talk more about in a second, and all of these, this advice we're giving is mainly about if you are going to sell physical goods. And I realize we might not have good advice about starting an accounting firm, for instance, because no. um, So all of the advice we're talking about is really for talking about sale of physical goods with a store. So yeah, keeping track of your inventory is really important because you're going to need to know that for taxes at the end of the year because you will be taxed on the inventory you have left over, which still blows my mind and confuses me a little bit. But it's just really important to have a good control of accounting. And if you're really good at books, then you should do it yourself. But you will need to commit time to do it because things can just get real crazy if you don't. Yeah. Um, and then 
once you figure that out, you're going to want to try to figure out how are you going to manage your inventory for your store, both online or in person. So you're going to pick a POS, which is a point of sale system. And there's so many different options these days to pick mm-hmm. from. And it's kind of overwhelming if you're just starting and you haven't looked into it before. And to be honest with you, up until a month ago, I would recommend what we have, which is Shopify. Um, Do you want to tell them a little bit about Shopify, Elise? So Shopify is primarily a backend service for small brands. And so you have all these different little side tabs. And so you have like your orders where you keep track and manage your orders. You have your products where you go to either organize them or add them or remove them. And it's, uh, let's see, I had some experience with it before starting at Ren, but it, it seems kind of confusing at first, but after a while it gets pretty intuitive, I would say. They do keep changing things, it seems like, every week now. Um, so, like, little things are shifting, and they give you lots of sh- um, keyboard shortcuts, which I don't know if you use, Julia, but I no, do I, not use them. Um, and so it's pretty simple, I will say, from my point of view, but again, I'm not ever in charge of making the back end talk to the front end, which would be our web shop. Um, I do know how to get things onto the iPad, but, um, I don't know how to, I I know that when I put them online and I click certain buttons, they will go into our web store, our web store. But again, I'm not, I'm pretty sure that Shopify does a lot of it for you. Um, and they have all these like built in templates. Like you can tell if you look at some small businesses, their websites will all look the same. And that's because they're powered by Shopify. And so they are all the same. Um, but you can get fancy. I don't know if you ever noticed this, but even the web addresses are yep, so like, at my Shopify. Yeah. yeah it'll, say, it'll say like collections backslash, like say like the way that it has to say collection in there. If you see collections, it'll definitely be a Shopify thing or the way the URL is structured. Mm-hmm. Is or it'll say cool. at the bottom, like powered by Shopify. Yeah. And I think you can pay at different levels to have it tagged different ways. Um, but I'd say it's pretty simple. I do know the Squarespace also does one. I I have very limited experience. So I have cards that I have tried to sell-ish in the past. And I just threw some of them up on my Shopify. Nope. On my Squarespace. I have no idea how it works. So I put them up there. I don't know what happens if someone orders them. Because um, I don't think Squarespace is attached to my bank account. So maybe I'll let you know one day. But people do really like their Squarespace stores I will say that I've heard um, yeah I've never used the reason we started doing Shopify is because it allows for a ton of developer flexibility and control over like all the coding stuff that other things like Squarespace they don't offer that kind of flexibility for a developer they've kind of from what I understand They've set up their own language system. And so if I wrote a store from scratch for Shopify, I couldn't transfer that onto Squarespace. Sites tend to be very specific about where they are hosted in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I also think Squarespace is very proud of all their internal development and stuff and how it's supposed to be super user-friendly and how, I will say, 
debatable on how user-friendly it is, but I think they're really proud of their designs and stuff. And so I, I would imagine they don't really want you messing with their designs so yeah. much. And I think that maybe places like Squarespace, like they're like, use our template or use this where Shopify offers a lot more customability. But the annoying thing about Shopify is what it offers is all on this tiered plan. And I think Shopify used to really be about businesses and supporting small businesses but as they've grown exponentially in the past two years their customer service has gotten unfortunately not as great and there tend to be a lot of bugs or short outages in the back end that you guys probably never see and they're very slow to respond to deal with some of that and then there's some other changes they've made more recently that make you feel like they're not there for you and they're just growing too big and they're trying to take advantage of you. One of those things being they're no longer letting you get back the credit card fee that they charge you in the instance that you offer a customer a refund for whatever reason. So let's say a customer paid $20 for shipping, but it only costs 10 and you need to refund them $10. Not only in that instance, you are not going to be able to ref you can refund the full $10 to the customer, but in reality, you're also going to have a 3% fee loss with that. So yeah. it's like keeping the, they're keeping the fees they charge you for the original transaction, which Apparently, I'm trying to remember, Stripe started doing that in the fall, and so did PayPal. So oh, really? They both claim, yeah, they claim that this is the way of the future, but <laughs> it really hurts small businesses because when you think about it, and I mean, our return policy is the subject for another debate, but it kind of further strengthens why I think we want to do store credit only. It, and I think you'll only see that probably for more businesses going forward is because when you have these large transactions or someone places an order and then they're like, we want to cancel right away after if you refund them, you're going to be out at 3% plus 30 cents. Not that anyone really cares about the 30 cents, but maybe coffee shops do actually. Cause it's yeah. a transaction. If you're working with smaller margins. Yeah. So it, it does matter. So it's like to say you're going to cancel your order like 10 minutes after placing it and demand a full refund. Like you just randomly stole money from a store essentially. Yeah. <laughs> they refund you. Like, let's say it was like $4,000 cause but anyway, I don't want to get too sidetracked. But I think that if you're starting from scratch, it's worth examining all the everyone there, yeah. and not just in the past. I've always directed people to Shopify, and multiple people I know have started using it. But now I don't think I would recommend it because I think it's probably worth if you're starting from scratch looking at other options. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that is my not ad for Shopify. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like a month ago, we were so gung-ho, and now we're like, dad, don't do it. No, it's yeah. not customer-friendly at all. No, it's like and, – and that's something that I feel like it's easy just to kind of look around and see what everyone else is using. But, again, a lot of these people have been using Shopify for so long that they – Pipe. like we didn't realize at first <laughs> gonna be real it took us like what two months it two months to realize this new policy 
They started this policy on March 1st of this year, which I'm like, oh, bad timing, everybody. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's like, we didn't notice. And so if we had continued not noticing for a very long time, we could have been out a ton. Of, like we did lose money on this, but we yeah, could have been I out mean, even more. Yeah, I mean, even though we don't give refunds, there are instances where we need to refund someone. Example, like something breaks in transit and it's no one's fault or... Um, something is damaged somehow, or um, someone overpays for shipping, someone tries to combine shipping. Like th there will just be instances that are not the typical refund scenario where you need to do it. And so I think since March, we've realized we've lost like $300 or $200. Yeah. And if we gave people who return things refunds instead of store credits, we'd be out so much more money. And like, it's not the customer's fault. They don't know because we didn't no. know. It's a new thing. No one knows about it yet. So it's like always, always read the fine print. <laughs> yeah. So those are just things to think about. We're going to need a POS system. And there is, there are some open source style POS ones. We were looking it up the other night. I'm trying to remember what they were. And Maybe I use Square. Squares. But yeah, Square is not really for inventory management. Like they, you can put inventory in. I also use Square briefly, but it's more, it's more like if you're working at a craft show or whatever, and you, you want to take a credit card then and there. Yeah. But there was this one that, oh, it was like a very Jesse Linux <laughs> kind of one we ran into the other night, but it would be, we'd have to manage our own payment system, which is the part that gets challenging. Like we'd have to set up a direct relationship with a credit card provider, but then we'd also have to code it and figure out how it was going to safely and securely store all the credit card information, which is where Jesse's like, I don't really want to be in charge of that. Yeah. Which is why like only big companies really have their own, like big companies that have IT departments have their own full websites is because they have the capacity to manage that. But as a small business, odds are you won't have an IT department, probably. probably. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. And then we'll just talk a little bit about, we were going to try to keep this to a half an hour. I know, we failed. <laughs> Maybe, just, we'll see how this works out in editing. <laughs> I think there's a lot that can come out. <laughs> Yeah. Um, the other thing we want to talk about is learning to make boundaries. And we're not just talking about your personal business checking accounts. We're talking about boundaries on social media and the blurred lines between sharing and oversharing today and what decisions you should make for your business. And obviously those are decisions only you can make, but mm -hmm. I think it's worth talking about and considering how both could positively or potentially negatively impact how your business is seen. So I feel like things that I've heard people say that they've started doing is only answering business related DMs, which is a direct message on Instagram during business hours. They're like, I will not answer your DM about this pair of shoes at 10 o'clock at night because those are not business hours. And they're like, it's not appropriate to expect people to answer you 24 seven. And sure, maybe if you're bored sitting on the couch, you don't mind answering a question about shoes at 10 o'clock at night. But things like even like, that seem that small about setting up boundaries that are very important for you to decide for yourself because maybe you don't mind and you'll answer anyone's question at any time of day. And that's just how you roll. And that's totally fine. It's just realizing that you don't have to. <laughs> like, yeah. And I don't really mind answering questions if I know the answer when I see it. Mm -hmm. um, the, the problem is 
that comes up is if someone wants information I don't have in front of me, like they want to know, especially right now, since I'm not at the store, if they want to know a measurement and we try to take measurements twice a week for people when one of us is there. But I, if I'm, I happen to open a DM at 11 o'clock at night and I'm like, Oh crap. Now it says scene, but I don't know what the inseam of this pant is. They're going to know I saw that. Do they think I'm ignoring them? If I don't respond. Yeah. And hopefully they realize that it's not business hours and that you are in the correct by doing that. I would also say maybe encourage, at least this would be my personal thought is encourage people to move business related questions off of Instagram and into email. Cause that way it's a lot easier to track them yeah. and like search. And then your other, cause usually there's only like one person running for us. It's really me running that Instagram account. Mm-hmm. That way Elise has no idea we're getting an inquiry about a pair of socks and if you email us both of us will see it and both of us will be kind of in the loop that there's a customer that's interested in purchasing this thing um and then so we both can kind of we're both able to email with them then so it just makes things easier yeah and so again that's maybe something that you want to set up the boundaries you'd be like i don't because some people just have in their instagram bios like i do not answer dms about business you can email me and Maybe it seems cold or harsh, but it does make sense if you're trying to stay super organized and you don't want to lose anyone's inquiries because I know it's really easy to either misplace someone's DM or accidentally delete a DM. And maybe that's like your big break, but it should be. I'm still moaning the loss of someone who's interested in modeling. And I don't know what happened to that DM, but I was interested in working with her. But Oof, it's gone. I don't know where it went. See, so maybe that seems like something that would be, I mean, I would say maybe being like, hey, I'd be interested in modeling maybe is worth a DM. But also I would say if you're like genuinely interested in a business proposition, do an email. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's just me. And typing on my computer makes me feel more legit, I guess. It makes it feel more professional to me than like typing out on my phone which I'm like why am I typing on my phone but again it's all up to you and you have to define that for yourself we can't tell you what to do I mean we can obviously tell you what to do but you don't (laughs) you have no reason to listen to us exactly um so that's like one of the boundaries I'm trying to think one of the other boundaries like oh I'm trying this is just a funny example because it's just an example of like you need to let it go but in a physical retail store, there might be people that come in and say really strange things to you or yell at you, or you might just be bombarded with things you never would have expected. For instance, our store is located on a street and behind us, there's like a tiny courtyard and then there's another apartment building and the apartment building and our building both share access to this courtyard as a way of egress. So in the beginning when the store opened, the, the tenants who lived upstairs in our building were so messy and they just piled their trash in the courtyard instead of putting it in the bin. And it totally annoyed me. And our building management really wasn't doing anything about it. And it was a tenant problem in our building. And then so one day, two people, two crotchety little ladies came into my store and started yelling at me for like 20 minutes about the trash. And I'm like, I have nothing to do with this problem, but they took out all their anger out on me. So that's like a boundary where I kind of had to be like, okay, I understand you're upset about this, but 
you need to leave and this is not my fault and I'm giving you the building management's phone number and you can talk to them about it. So instead of me taking that on as my personal problem, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't have time to deal with this. Yeah, you're like, why am I the one who's going to yell that? Yeah, <laughs> so that's the trash there. Yeah, so I'm like, I have nothing to do with the trash in the back of the building that the upstairs residential tenants are doing. Like, so I don't have to take that problem on. So I kind of was like, I'm making a boundary. These women need to leave the store, even though they came right into the office. Like, they stormed right. <laughs> do they really? Oh my goodness! You haven't been in the store, so we have the store, and then we have a partition wall with a curtain they came in passed through the curtain into like my back stock area and it was just like whoa <laughs> it's like welcome in welcome in Why don't you private area yeah so you know I, that kind of i that was unexpected and now if that happens again i have to be like no i'm sorry you you, you can't come in like so yeah there's lots of different kinds of boundaries as a business owner and you'll feel your personal life coming into your business life. And it's like, ah, oh, so you just have to set up your own boundaries and stick to them. Generally, I would say. Yeah. Unless you genuinely don't mind changing them, in which case, you know, you do you yeah. free, free as, I don't know, country daisy. I don't know. Do you think there's anything that we would do over again? And I know you've been here three years and it's been 12 years with Ren, but yeah. What would you think we would change during the time that you've been here? Hmm. I will be offended by whatever you say. That's a really good question. Um, hmm. I genuinely do not know. I mean, maybe having, no, I genuinely do not know. Um, I mean, maybe, no, I'm just going to keep saying maybe and then no. <laughs> I can't really think of any, I mean, maybe having more diverse shopping bags. I'm just trying to think of like in the store things that I've I've been like that would be really helpful I think that would be helpful but again it's like if we don't have if we're not overrun with in-store sales is it worth investing in three yeah. or four different size yeah. bags probably not I keep thinking um, we'll get cloth ones made or something but that it never feels like a justifiable cost. Yeah. I don't know, but you're right. Some, putting someone's like tiny candle in a really big bag doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I know. Like with a barrette, I'm like, I could give you this massive grocery size shopping bag for a single barrette, or you could just put in their purse. And normally they just say they'll throw it in their purse because they're not over the top. Um, I think that would probably, I don't know. I, I think that, I don't know. Maybe let's have some more flowers again. Oh my gosh. I just saw someone litter out my window. I feel personally offended. <laughs> Sorry. No, no litter. Um, it's like a guy in a freaking Lincoln. I stopped doing all the flowers when I felt like, I don't know, a no year coming in. No one's coming in as much. So I was like, oh, I guess this isn't really a justifiable expense as much. Yeah. <laughs> Well, then I'd say I would like some plants. I really want a giant majesty palm that's like 10 feet tall. That would be oh, my yeah. my hope. My yeah. hope is some some plants for the store and maybe some smaller bags. There's things that I wish I had done differently, but I don't think at the time, given the information I had, that I could have done it any differently. Like um, the build-out? Yeah, like the build-out for a store. I didn't know anyone. It was weird circumstances anyway. And it, I just... 
I think I would approach that differently if I was starting from scratch now. Um, yeah, but how would you wouldn't know? Like yeah. you wouldn't be like, hey, maybe this wall would be so much better if it was two feet over. It's like, how would you have any idea? Just by, I mean, I guess that's why architects exist. Okay, but you're not an architect. No, so, I, I've never done a build out, so and I never owned a house or anything, so I didn't know anything. Yeah, and so. It's things like that, which again, maybe it's like, maybe that's something that you try and crowdsource with someone that you know who has done a store build out yeah. so or maybe, has had a house. You, or maybe like don't open the store a second you move to a city. I don't know. <laughs> maybe that too. Yeah, maybe work on one thing at a time. Yeah, I definitely think the one thing with my approach is generally good advice to live by, but I don't think I did that. Um, I'm trying to think the time when we've been open, what I would do differently. Um, besides that kind of stuff where I feel like it's not up to me. I don't know. I think it would have been fun to have had more events over the whole time we were there, but I think I was just really drained from energy. Yeah. Oh, Oppie was throwing a stick at me saying, hold this please so I can chew on it. <laughs> yeah, I guess the event thing is good. But again, it's like 2020 hindsight. It's our street traffic is really unreliable. So you don't want to overpromise and undersell to a designer or a brand or whomever you're going to have an event with. I think we learned a lot from last summer when we did all these events. And I think we would have had some killer events this summer. Hit, hit. Yeah. Well, at least I'm really sad about that. We yeah. Salty. I would say we're salt. I'm salty at least. Yeah. No. <laughs> so, but again, it's like, I think that everything, everything that hasn't been perfect has been a good, nothing has been detrimental and everything I think has led to a new approach to things like that. We learned that first Friday events for the store is not a good idea because then people come in and eat our food and touch our expensive clothes with their meat covered hands. And that's not good. So things like that. It's like, it, I'm not upset that we did it. I don't think you are either. It's just, we now know that that's not our ideal situation. Yeah. Oh, so I think most of it is related to the build out. I don't think there's anything I could change about anything else that happened. Yeah. But again, it was like three years ago. You like, I think it's, I think it's the same as if you move into an apartment or a house, it's, you would totally do things differently, but you hadn't had time to live in the space and work in the space and figure out what you needed out of it yet. Yeah. And so maybe if you had like bought it, maybe it would have been doing a super, super bare bones build out and then living and working in the space to figure out what maybe this corner needs to be like sectioned off so that we could have more storage for back stock or whatever and kind of just maybe, but again, that's like a luxury that I don't think many of any small businesses have is like a lot of time to psycholo yeah. psychologically analyze their, <laughs> their store space. But also, I mean, let's be real. It's also very money based. And yes. when I opened, I really had no money at all. And to do the, anything extravagant. And now that I think about it, I'll play the devil's advocate. Well, I'm saying I wish I could have done more. That's a wish. But I also run the business very leanly, which means I don't take on a lot of additional expenses that aren't necessary. I don't take a lot. I don't do riskier buys. I don't, like, splurge on lots of crazy things that I know a lot of businesses do or they're like oh like let's do this it'll be whatever and I think that when you're starting and in general good advice is to just be really lean on your purchasing and yeah 
Like yeah. maybe don't put down marble floors because guess what? You're going to have to leave them when you move out. <laughs> like exactly. things like yeah. that. You can't take them with you. No. And so I think maybe that's, I think something that we've at the store done a bunch of is investing in maybe more fixtures, like antique fixtures oh. versus the physical space because we, we would take them with us. Or just, yeah, fixtures or furniture, things you can take with us. That's like what my lawyer told me. He's like, don't do a crazy build out into the wall while you're making all those shelf compartments or things because you can't take that with you. Yeah, and it's true. And so if you were to own the building, then sure, go for it. But it's like, you're not going to rip out the floors when you leave because that's not allowed. (laughs) And so things like that, I think, can take it with you. Take it with you if you can. And also, I think that helps if we had, if the store was like fully built out, I think it would give us a lot less flexibility to move things around. Because if we had tons of built-in shelves, you you can't move them. They're built in. I know. Yeah. We have shelves we just took down that we need to put somewhere else. This was before certain things Everything. can't go into the yeah. store now, but... We do have some rearranging we want to do, but again, it's like, in my mind, I'm like, well, how much is it worth it if I don't own the building? Mm-hmm. I can make everything look pretty online. Yeah. And it's like, maybe it would be worth doing a fresh coat of paint, but it's not worth redoing the floors or whatever. Yeah. And I guess the last thing we'll say in an um, ending on that note, it's really important these days to have your business have an online presence. And I think right now more than ever to have a few different revenue streams for it is just really important. Um, So if for some reason you have a business and you are mainly relying on in-store sales, just setting up with one of the platforms we had talked about to get some of your inventory online. Or if you're starting a new business, just having, whether it's just an Instagram account or a Facebook page, I don't know. I hate Facebook. It confuses me. (laughs) I have, the store has a Facebook page. I just haven't touched it since like November. (laughs) But Instagram I find is the best for any art, visual, fashion thing for getting, I think you have the highest chance of someone seeing your stuff that way. So those are just some of our, tips we I'm sure we can make a lot more tips about starting a small business yeah yeah I think that's probably about it for now we will obviously have more coming later um if you'd like to give us also known as please give us some fun topic ideas that you want us to talk about if there's anyone you want us to interview or if you want to be interviewed please let us know uh you can send us an email at info at run which is r-e-n-n-e-s dot u-s you can dm us on the instagram you can i don't know send us a carrier pigeon yeah let us know please send us a carrier pigeon um, did you know that you can buy carrier pigeons on Craigslist? I bet you did not know that. I bet I don't, but somehow it doesn't surprise me. Oh, yeah. I will say if you're really bored ever, go on Craigslist and go to the farm and garden section. Or is it the garden? I think it's the farm and garden section. It's amazing. You can buy pigs. You can buy goats. You can buy cows. It's awesome. And you can buy pigeons. So, yeah, send us a pigeon. Please rate, review, and subscribe. And we got our first written review the other day. It, it was, was so very exciting. exciting. Thank so, you, person. Yeah. So please, please write us a review. Give us any good feedback. I think that's it. Yep. Okay. Yeah. We'll great. chat you next time. We'll chat you next time. Okay. Have a great day. Bye. Bye-bye.